Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's edition of the We Are Podcast on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. He's Corey Geiger. As always, I'm Jared Pugar. Corey, let's get right to it this week. The college football playoff made a significant decision moving forward. We talk about expansion. We talk about a 12-team playoff, a 16-team playoff. We talk about just making a 120-team playoff, just single elimination tournament. Everybody gets to go and everybody gets a trophy. But they have elected um, through the 2026 season, which is the end of the original deal, to have only four teams. What do you think about that in and of itself? Well, and we're going to get into a good bit of this because I do think there are a lot of fascinating elements. And especially, obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, you want to know how it impacts Penn State. I will say that I'm surprised. Just that element by itself. Um, so what will happen is it'll remain, as far as we know, four teams for 2022, 23, 24, 25 until the current TV contract is up. I'm surprised by this element, though, Jared, simply because adding, getting that up to 12 teams is going to be so, so much money involved that I thought they would probably get it done within the next year or two. But one of the things we are going to discuss here is, well, you know, maybe there, there are a lot of underlying issues in college football with these conferences, which conferences are ultimately going to have a seat at the table. Will the Big 12 be one of those conferences once they lose Oklahoma and Texas? So there are a lot of factors, but ultimately I am surprised they're not going to go to 12 earlier because you're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars every year that's going to be left on the table as long as they stay at four. Yeah, right. And I think what's shocking to me, I mean, four is four, whatever. You you can debate endlessly between eight and 12, but it's that you needed unanimous voting. So it was the vote was eight to three. um, And the Big Ten was was not in favor of expansion. You would think, you know, in, in, in the grand scheme of things, you would think the Big Ten would want expansion. They would want more teams than just Ohio State, than just a Michigan to be in the college football playoff, but that wasn't the case here, Corey. Well, and again, everybody wants to know how this impacts Penn State. And this is how this impacts Penn State. And I'm, I'm trying to, you know, cut through the chase here. And, and a lot of Nittany Lion fans are not going to like this. But 
Penn State's really not one of the four best teams in the country. And is there a chance they could be one of the four best teams in the country in the next few years? Sure, there's always a chance. It is so terribly difficult to make a four-team playoff. It is not tremendously difficult to make a 12-team playoff. If it had been a 12-team playoff, Penn State would have made it in 2016, in 2017, in 2018, and 2019. Mm -hmm. Um, But to make a four-team playoff, and this is where it's interesting because James Franklin has talked a lot about this, you know, over the past year or so. We're placing so, so much emphasis on getting to the playoff. Bowl games don't matter as much anymore. Even New Year's Six bowl games don't matter as much anymore. We are judging college football programs based on whether or not you get to the playoff. And I would say this, Jared, whenever they do go to a 12-team playoff, and I I do feel confident that they will, I think Penn State makes a 12-team playoff five, six times a decade, if not more, Mm -hmm. maybe seven, eight times every 10 years. Penn State, with everything they've got going for them, can be in a 12-team playoff. But with a four-team playoff, Jared, when you've got Ohio State in your own division, and now Michigan, obviously, Michigan State coming back, um, I, 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 don't, I don't know when Penn State's going to make a four-team playoff. Yeah, I mean, you have to step your game up. I mean, 2016 would have been the best year to do that. Um, and unfortunately, that's not the case. Um, because clearly, you know, um, one of those deals is, you have to – You they didn't even make the playoff in their best year that they've had in quite some time. And and that's tough. That is that is genuinely tough to make that. So an eight-team, an eight-team, a 12-team playoff, that impacts Penn State significantly. But I think looking further into these votes, eight to three was the vote for the CFP expansion. And I, and I think I said 2026 earlier. I, I believe it's 2024 is initially um, the year. But – but – the, those three teams that are those three conferences that voted against it, the Pac-12, the ACC, and the Big Ten. And you know what they have in common, Corey? They're in some bullshit thing called an alliance, which yes. really doesn't have any impact to me on anything at all. All right. They're apparently not really going to necessarily play each other in non-conference. What, what is this alliance? The alliance, well, alliance is guided – this is according to a statement by the Pac-12. The alliance will be guided in all cases by a commitment to and prioritization of supporting student-athlete well-being, academic and athletic opportunities, experiences, and diverse educational programming. They are grounded Ooh. in their support of broad-based athletic programs, the collegiate model, and opportunities for student-athletes as part of those missions. So, oh, Jared, hey, Jared, I, I, mean, yeah. I, I was yawning and taking a nap. What the hell did you just say? I don't, I don't, nothing, nothing you just said there was important enough for me to, to not fall asleep. Nope. Uh, evolution of college athletics and scheduling, and nothing is evolving except for, you know, their alliance. But and you're gonna have it doesn't mean three, anything. These three leagues in this alliance vote against the playoff. Um, so, what does that even mean? Uh, I, I can guarantee you James Franklin wants a 12-team playoff. I can guarantee that. I mean, there's, there really would seem to be no ifs, ands, or buts about that. And again, everybody wants to know how this impacts Penn State. Um, and so how does it impact James Franklin? How does it impact coaches? How does it impact 
you know, people at, at all parts of college football, the, the money side, fans don't really care about the money. They're, the money is huge, but let, let's try to, uh, you know, step aside from that. The 12-team playoff, what does it do? It gives so many more teams an opportunity to have something to play for late in the season if they think they have a shot at the final 12. Now, look, I'm very much on record. I've been this way for years. I don't, I don't want to see it go to a 12-team playoff. I think four is pretty good. To me, no more than six. Um, but, look, I understand. It's, it's all about the money, and the more teams you get in there, that's, that's, it, it is going to go to 12 at some point. But the, the, I'm just surprised they're, they're, they're going to leave so much money on the table now which is which is interesting to me because why would they do that? What well, to me now we, we know what the vote is and we know that they're not going to do it. So now we have to try to speculate and and, and truly wonder why they've gone this path. Right, and and there are so many different ways that you can go about this. So let's take a, a different look at it because if there's a twelve team playoff, you have to figure out which bowls are played and when. Well, mm-hmm. there's a bowl game that's tied into the Pac-12 and the Big Ten. It is. One of the most meaningful bowl games ever created and ever, assemb- ever assembled. You and I have both been there before, and it's the Rose Bowl. The Rose Bowl has a specific time every year that it is played. It's between a Pac-12 team and a Big Ten team, more often than not, unless it's part of the playoff. So you And it's played, no matter what, at that time on January 1st. It matters. That game matters. So you have to schedule, and that's part of ESPN's package. It's part of Disney's deal with the devil. So you have to kind of manipulate things around that. And that's not easy to do either because when TV rights are involved, that makes it uber difficult too. Well, sure. There's no question. And trying to figure out the logistics of all this, maybe they need some more time. And, and look, I, I fully expect this to be implemented when the current TV contract is done in 20 after 2025. So starting 2026, I expect it to be done. Um, but another potential hangup to me is, is the Big 12. Once the Big 12 loses Texas and Oklahoma, is the Big 12 still a Power 5 conference? And I would tend to argue, because again, we're talking about guaranteed spots, automatic berths and things like this. So let's just kind of play this out. If you're the SEC, even the Big 10, because the Big 10 is – in, in the pantheon of all this, the SEC is really going to be a driver in all this, but the Big Ten is clearly a huge component with all their success and TV money. So if, if you're the SEC, in the, well, how good is the Big 12 going to be? And this is no knock on Baylor or Oklahoma State or, or some of these teams. I'm just merely pointing out that when you, when you take a look at you lose Texas and Oklahoma, the cachet the financial aspect of your conference takes a massive, massive hit. So if you're talking about 12, who gets in, who's part of the 12? How do you, are there guaranteed spots for individual leagues? I really wonder if the big 12 is still going to have a seat at that table. No, it's a very good way to look at it. And I think conference alignment is only just beginning to change. Now, before we go into the next segment, I want to bring up Notre Dame. Notre Dame is an independent. They have their own TV deal. Well, news surfaced this week about those TV rights. They have it with NBC about NBC looking into the Big Ten. There is a little bit of kind of something there. Maybe that's a Notre Dame move to the Big Ten potentially down the road. That 
and I'm not saying that that's going to happen. It would make sense on a lot of levels, actually, uh, because they're closer to the Big Ten market than they would be to, say, the ACC, which is the Atlantic Coast Conference, though names are really irrelevant. Yeah, I don't know what's going to happen with Notre Dame. They do seem to get to call their own shots in a lot of ways with finances. Um, but I would say this. Things are changing so rapidly, and I think the unknown – in a three to four year window down the road, you, you'd better be careful locking yourself into anything. You know what I'm getting at, Jared? Mm -hmm. Because no matter what, no matter what it is you do, if you lock yourself into something and then the landscape changes in terms of TV rights or media rights, negotiation, you, you do not want to be left holding the bag when everybody else is getting rich because you happen to be locked into some something that would prevent you. The Pittsburgh Pirates did that with their previous TV deal that they got locked into for a long, long time. And, and you know, you, you, it can really set your organization, set your league, set your programs back. So whatever these folks decided, and I, I think that's a big reason why maybe there might be some hesitancy until 2026 to figure some of this out just to see how things play out logistically. Yeah, I'm very interested to see how it plays out. But no matter what, we do know that it's going to be a roller coaster ride um, throughout the next couple of seasons in the college football market. But we're going to talk a little bit more about what's next to come for Penn State this offseason when we come back on the We Are Podcast and the EK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the We Are Podcast on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. He's Geiger. I'm Prugar. April 23rd, 2 p.m., blue-white annual scrimmage. This year, I don't think we're going to get multiple like we did last year, though that was kind of a really cool, um, cool way to get people in the stands. There wasn't tailgating, but there were people in the stands, and that was great. But this year, I think it's going to be as close to normal as possible for the blue-white game. It's spring football. It's blue-white. There's nothing quite like it for football fans in central Pennsylvania. But Penn State's got a lot of work to do to get to April 23rd. You know, we wanted to spend this segment just kind of looking at <clears throat> what Penn State's going to have to do to fix this from the last couple of years. And clearly, this is no surprise to anybody. It, it, it all starts with the offensive line. And, Jared, what's interesting is we can talk about Sean Clifford. We can talk about the quarterbacks and the lack of running game. And, and really, doesn't it all start with the offensive line? So we try, to, we try to put on our genius hats and figure out, 
well, what is it exactly that's going wrong with the offensive line? What is it exactly that they need to do to turn some things around? None of us are really offensive line experts that we're, that, you know, we can truly gauge everything that's going on with all those linemen on every single snap. We just see it collectively and, and you see it, Jared, you, you followed Penn State football for a long, long time. The fans listening have, have watched Penn State football for a long, long time. Most years, when you go into a season, and I say to you, Jared, this is 2000 and XX. What's the biggest concern for Penn State football this year? Oh, it's always the offensive line. Oh, why, why is that? I wish I knew because they do produce offensive linemen into the league. They've had great success over the course of the last few seasons doing just that. Connor McGovern plays the NFL. Ryan Bates, Stephen Gonzalez just signed uh, a, a pot- or potentially could go to the USFL. Donovan Johnson, they, they get guys to the league. But in the meantime, at Penn State, they're just kind of middle of the road offensively on the upfront. Yeah, and I, I wish I had the answer. Um, I did write a piece at DK Pittsburgh Sports a couple weeks ago about Phil Troutwine, the offensive line coach, because we kind of wondered, you know, should Troutwine be fired? All right. As bad as their offensive line was the second worst running game they've ever had. Average 108 yards per game, not a single 100 yard rusher. So we, you know, I was wondering, oh, is Phil Troutwine going to get fired? Well, he, he wasn't fired. He's crushing it in recruiting. He's bringing in, yeah, a number of highly pro, high-profile um, offensive linemen. Penn State's got a top-five recruiting class in the country. And there you go. That's where you see the value of somebody like a Phil Troutwine. Even if we watch the games and then we say, well, their offensive line is terrible. How does that coach have a job? Well, he has a job because he's crushing it in recruiting, and, and it gives you hope. You cross your fingers that they'll get everything figured out here over the next year or two. Uh, will they? You know, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, it, it's easy to sit here and say, yes, they will. They will be better on the offensive line this year, next year, so-and-so. They, they got Landon Tingwell. They got good young players. Um, and it stands to reason, Jared, they would get better, right? Because they can't get any worse. Yeah, no, I agree. And that's the thing, too, Corey. Like, you have to can't get much worse than what they've been, you know? That's an issue moving forward. But at the same time, it's easy to evaluate quarterbacks. This guy missed on this route. This guy missed on, let's say, this crossing route or this, this play down the field. But at the end of the day, analyzing and, and judging up front in their play, unless you've done it, unless you're a tactician up front, you really have the slightest clue what you're talking about. Their hand placement, where they're putting it, where you're driving, how you're blocking it. And that varies – depending on the scheme they've just changed schemes once again so they've changed they've been on their they're on their third scheme and however many years up front that different those different blocking techniques they matter that stuff all matters up front so that's tough too and I think that's an issue moving forward for Penn State because you have to kind of get that you know that simplicity up front and I think now that your stitch is there that's huge and I really think that you know moving forward there's an excellent opportunity for, for Troutwine to continue his growth and continue really everything for Penn State because, man, they need that consistency up front uh, for the Nittany Lions because when they get that, man, 
that's a good, good thing to have. Yeah, Jared, it's fascinating. You mentioned quarterback and how we evaluate a quarterback. And, and, and look, when we look at Sean Clifford, can we truly evaluate Sean Clifford when the offensive line is so bad, when they can't run the ball? Can, can you evaluate any component of the offense unless the offensive line truly is effective? You know what's interesting? We go back because, look, Penn State went four and five in 2020, seven and six in 2021. And we all, well, Sean Clifford has done this. Remember how he went to a Cotton Bowl and he won a Cotton Bowl? And, and we all go back to 2019. And Sean Clifford, 2019. Sean Clifford, 2019. Sean Clifford, 2019. You know what Sean Clifford had in 2019, Jared? An offensive line. A running game. He that had a running too? game. He, you know, Journey Brown was awesome at the end of that year. Here's the end of that season for Sean Clifford. In the Cotton Bowl against Memphis, 11 of 20, 133 yards. They scored 53 points. He threw for 133 yards, and they scored 53 points. Against Ohio State, lost 28 to 17. 10 of 17, Sean Clifford, 71 yards. Went over Indiana, 11 of 23, 179 yards. A loss to Minnesota. He was 23 of 43. He had 340 yards, three interceptions. At Michigan State, they won 28-7. 189 yards passing, they won. Beat Michigan, 182 yards passing, they won. Beat Iowa, 117. Sean Clifford was not a really good quarterback in 2019. That's the myth that that James Franklin likes to throw on. Well, we saw what Sean Clifford can do in 2019. Did we? Did we see what Sean Clifford can do in 2019? I just read you the numbers. 71 yards passing against Ohio State. 133 yards passing against Memphis. 117 yards passing at Iowa. Yeah, we saw what Sean Clifford can do in 2019. We saw that Sean Clifford can win when he's got a really good running game. And so if they could find – look, that that's how things can turn around very, very quickly. If they can fix the offensive line, we think they still got good running backs. Kevon Lee, you got the number one running back recruit in the country and Nick Singleton coming in. If they can fix their running game – is Sean Clifford going to turn into Kenny Pickett? No. No, that's not happening. Sean Clifford is not Kenny Pickett. But Sean Clifford could go back to 2019 Sean Clifford and win games if you give him a strong running game that he doesn't have to do everything. Yeah, I mean, the running game, obviously, last year in 2020, it took a big hit because you lose Journey Brown and then you lose Noah Kane in the first drive of the game. Big, 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 big. But at the same time, you know, Sean Clifford was pretty much the same quarterback in 2020 and 2021 that he was in 2019. He hasn't really gotten overly better. I thought this year in 2021, he made a lot better decisions. Um, didn't try to force too many things, but at the end, they didn't have the results that they wanted because there was no run game. The offensive line was non-existent. So going back to that, going back to the offensive line, again, we sat here and evaluated and analyzed the statistics for, uh, for Sean Clifford. We can do that. We can see what routes the the, um, the ride receivers are running and what they're doing. We can see how the runners anticipate contact or anticipate the hole opening up. But what we can't see a lot of times from the naked eye for the for the normal person is who's doing what up front. Obviously, you can tell missed blocks. You can tell people getting turned styled. But you can't tell fundamentally where they're off because they might be closer than we give them credit for. But at the end of the day, Penn State – defensively i think they'll be okay 
I think they have a good secondary coming back. I think they're inexperienced up front, but I think, you know, if there's going to be a position where you're inexperienced, they proved last year that it's probably okay to be inexperienced up, up front defensively. But and, and, and ultimately, as we're talking about the offensive line, Jared, they've got to get on the same page. And by they, I mean James Franklin and Mike Yersich in exactly what they want to do. Um, because we, we heard from James Franklin at the end of the year, you know, you got to stay committed to the run. James Franklin was not happy with the way the run game went. But if you're Mike Yersich, do you even trust anybody in the run game? So as, as they're working on the offensive line this spring, they've got to fully get on the same page of exactly here. Here's the word. We, again, we, as we're talking about what they've got to figure out this spring, identity is the word. What are they? What is their offensive identity? Is their offensive identity – we need Sean Clifford to do everything. Well, if that's the case, then expect another seven and five or six and six season in, in 2022. But if they get other people, again, especially starting with that offensive line going, then, hey, they could actually, you know, take a, a gigantic leap forward if Sean Clifford is not asked to be Superman every week. Right. And it'll be interesting to see really how they dial that up. But when we come back in the third segment, we're going to talk a little bit more about what's going on at Penn State in the Bryce Jordan Center, um, both on the court and off the court on the We Are Podcast and the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Welcome back to the third and final segment of the We Are Podcast, the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. Corey, it is the offseason for football, but basketball season is starting to heat up because we are later in the month of February, and next up is March, everybody's favorite month of basketball. And Penn State, they're actually playing some quality basketball right now under Micah Shrewsbury. I'll tell you, what, what a great week with uh, Penn State coming back from a 14-point deficit to beat Michigan State at the Jordan Center. Then they came out and absolutely pummeled Minnesota by 21 points. Um, so uh, we, we break this down into two segments, really, or two sections, really, with, with, with this Penn State basketball team. I still don't think this team this season is going – I don't think they're going to make an NCAA tournament. I don't think they're going to make the NIT. Uh, they're, they're still 6-9 and nine in the Big Ten. They're, they're still going to lose games. Um, so, so there's that component of this season. But with regards to the bigger picture, the foundation of what this season is, you just cannot be more impressed, to be honest with you, that, than, than we are with Micah Shrewsbury. Because what he's done this season, and again, it's not going to lead to an NCAA tournament bid this season, most likely, unless they just you know go off on some huge winning streak. But you have to watch the games. You have to see the sequences. You have to see the way players have improved, his decision-making in games. I, I think there are so many positives and things to like. They've got at Maryland, then, then against Northwestern, Nebraska, at Illinois. At, there's tough games. You know, the Nebraska game at home, that should be a win because Nebraska is absolutely atrocious. But they could lose every other game. Uh, I mean, these are tough games in the Big Ten. Regardless of, of, of that, though, 
the way they compete, Jared, the way every game comes down to the last minute or two, and they're right there. I tell you, it just it gives me so much hope for the future once Shrewsbury actually gets the kind of players in the system that he wants to run his system. Right. This is a great year for him building the foundation to the future. These are guys that he didn't necessarily recruit. These are guys that he kind of inherited and had to re-recruit to stay there just so they had a team this year because the situation that they were in before the season started was, was disaster. But what he's able to get out of those players, like John Harrar has had an incredible season for the Nittany Lions, and he probably shouldn't have an incredible season. He is a very good basketball player, but what he's doing for Michael Shrewsbury is out of this world. So to get that fight out of those guys, I think it's incredible. We've touched on that a couple times here on the We Are podcast, but man, what he's been able to do with that team, I think is just is miraculous. So he's got the job, he's got the, the team and the program going in the right direction, in my opinion. Um, it'll be interesting to see how he continues to grow and as a coach and also how he continues to recruit because Penn State and recruiting for basketball haven't always been a, a wonderful marriage, right? I mean, Pat Chambers was able to get into Philly and that was huge. They got Lamar Stevens. They got a lot of guys that really meant a lot to that program and contributed to their success over the last couple of years. Can he continue to do that? You know, this is a guy that it seems like those players would run through a brick wall for. And when, and when you have that relationship with players, that is going to speak dividends and pay off in those dividends when it matters and when the games are on the line. You know, Jerry, I'm going to be honest here and say none of us have any freaking clue about any of that stuff that you just said for this reason, the transfer portal. The transfer portal will change college basketball far more than it will change college football. So to answer your question, he did great in recruiting. They, they had their best recruiting class ever that, that's going to be coming in uh, this coming year. Can he keep those guys? I don't know. I have no idea. Um, what I can tell you is 40%, 40 freaking percent of the Division I college basketball players on scholarship in this country were in the transfer portal last year. So do I have faith that Michael Shrewsbury can recruit these guys? Yes, I do. I think he'll get good players. Can, do I have faith that he can keep them at Penn State? No, absolutely not. Do I have faith that any coach anywhere can keep the vast majority of his good players in the program? Really, to be perfectly honest with you, my answer would be no. So this isn't a Penn State or Michael Shrewsbury thing, and this, this is, isn't even trying to predict the future. This is saying we don't have the foggiest damn idea. N nobody does. We are so completely in the wilderness right now with what the transfer portal is going to look like. Michael Shrewsbury gets in a really good kid. He comes in and has a nice freshman year, averages 13 points and eight rebounds. That kid going to come back to Penn State as a sophomore when Syracuse and Duke and UConn and Villanova are now, maybe. Now maybe they're looking at the kid. See, that's where we just don't know. And do, do I think that he can get some good players? And, and if he could keep them for a, a, a good four-year period, would they improve? Yes. 
I just don't think that's the what that's not college basketball anymore. I, I I'm a big believer college basketball now is going to be so chaotic that and again, this is not a Michael Shrewsbury and Penn State thing. This is just there is going to be so much movement that to try to try to picture what any program is going to be like over a three, four year period, I, I think it's just going to be really difficult. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. You have to re-recruit every year, and that's tough. That's that's girl, that's grueling, it's brutal. Um, but you know, I think one of the important things too, as good as, as great as Michael Shrewsbury has has been um, for Penn State so far this season and in his tenure, I think what really matters what now right now is what's going on at Penn State as we're talking and recording this. This is a late Saturday night. They're going to be going on into Sunday. We're talking about Thon. This is for the kids. This is for. Ki- for childhood cancer, they, they dance for those who couldn't. And I think that's an incredible, incredible experience up there. If you've ever been, um, it's a 46-hour dance marathon for, for pediatric cancer. It's one of the biggest, if not the biggest, philanthropic events in all of the country, in all of the world even. And what they're able to do at Penn State is just, you know, phenomenal. They raise millions and millions of dollars. Um, and I think that it's, it's just absolutely awesome for those kids <laughs> For, for everybody. It's at the Bryce Jordan Center this year. You know, Penn State, the football team has been there. The basketball team has been there. And, you know, it, it's just one hell of an experience and one cool thing after another as they as they participate in Thon this weekend at Happy Val- in Happy Valley. You know, I, if you see, if you look and see a lot of Penn State alums <laughs> across athletics, non-athletics, you know, one of the things that people – at Penn State take as much pride in as anything else is Thon. Uh, $190 million raised for Ford Diamonds um, since the inception of Thon in, in 1977. I think they raise about 10 million or more pretty much every year. Well, you know, the, the pandemic has kind of created some, some issues, but you know, $10 million a year. It is remarkable. Uh, because when you think about when you think about Penn State, when you think about Penn State, Jared, uh, I'd say a, a large percentage of people would think about football. A large percentage of people would think about Beaver Stadium. Certainly, it's a tremendous, tremendous university. I think a lot of people that go to Penn State, one of the things that they take the most pride in and that they will remember the most, especially if they participated, uh, it will be thought. You, you see stories and recollections of people years after the fact so oh, i remember thon doing this or this or this it's always pretty cool yeah and i think that's the important thing i mean we talk about sports on this podcast we talk about football we talk about basketball we talk about whatever and whenever but ultimately what they're doing up there is far more important and far more um you know awesome than football than anything that could be ever done in an athletic spectrum and i think kudos to those kids we understand that this is a sports podcast, but at the same time, I think those students and the student athletes um, that that are up there participating and, and giving it their all, they matter too. And and to be perfectly honest, I think that's a good way to end. It's for the kids. It's Thon. It's an incredible atmosphere, incredible experience. Kudos to Penn State University. Um, and kudos to those kids and everybody involved in Thon for raising that money um, and and really making a difference in the lives of those who a couldn't dance, but also 
are fighting that fight. You know, as somebody that's lost a parent to cancer, I know that it, it's it's a, a little bit different than in, in children. And, and there's a student um, that I teach uh, and that's at our uh, our school. He has an inoperable brain tumor. And, I, and I'm sorry I'm getting off in here on a tangent, but, you know, it, that's what what they're doing up there that's for those kids those kids that, that can't fight that fight that are losing that battle because it, it's a shame Corey. you have um you have kids i will have a i have a stepdaughter and you know you would fight to your death for those kids right and 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 the same thing for, for me and my stepdaughter here but at the end of the day man you want to see them grow up and, and live beautiful lives and, and have children and, and get married and, and all that stuff and, and playing games and, and just be kids. And, and ultimately not everybody gets that luxury. Not everybody gets that, that opportunity. And I think, you know, we take for granted this life that we live, you know, we take for granted, we get to sit here on a podcast and talk all the time. I come on your radio show and we talk sports for an hour or, or whatever. We go to these games, these Rose bowls, those experiences that, that are unforgettable and that, that we'll remember forever. But ultimately there are other people that just don't get the, that luxury. They don't get to have those kids, those opportunities, those memories that last a lifetime. And I think that's the unfortunate thing on life. You know, um, my, my buddy at school, Ty, you know, I, it just, it, it hurts my heart. It, it kills me to, to see what he goes through and, and to see that. And, and no kid should ever have to do that. And hopefully at Penn state, they raise that money so that no kid has to go through that. And so no parent has to, to see their child, go through that and and i think that's that's why they do it that's why it matters it's so people that they see are struggling now don't have to struggle anymore i think that's what makes it so damn important excellent i i have nothing else to add to that buddy that was tremendously well said so for Corey geiger this has been jared Prugar on the we are podcast and the uk pittsburgh sports podcasting network